Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 76. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange folks like yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Today in Drabble News, guinea pigs. Thanks to listener Adam for posting this in the forums. From BBC News. A guinea pig named Sooty enjoyed a night of passion with 24 females after fooling his way into their cage in South Wales. Sooty romanced each of them, one by one, and has now become the proud father of 42 baby guinea pigs from his two nights of passion. His endeavors left staff at Little Friends Farm, Hopkinstown, Pontypridd, amazed at his stamina. Park owner Carol Feehan said, I'm sure a lot of men will be looking at Sooty with envy. We knew that Sooty gone missing and we looked for him everywhere but never thought of checking the pen where we kept the females. We did a head count and found 25 guinea pigs. Sooty was fast asleep in the corner. He was absolutely shattered. We put him back in his cage and he slept for two days. The farm park, which is closed for the winter, is now trying to find homes for Sooty's brood of babies. You got nut facts from Louis. Yeah. BBC News. Right then, listen up, people. Budget deadline coming up. Let's put out some news. Arison, you got front page. Olympics, of course. Uh, something motivational about mums of athletes. Mention something about how China's volleyball team is rubbish. Uh, Wallace, you've got gas prices. Blame it on Bush. Jenkins, you've got Russia bullying Georgia around. And Anderson, hmm. Uh, you know, my sister's niece has got a guinea pig farm. She was telling me how one little bastard's got out and buggered 24 females in 48 hours. How about you up on that? Bloody hell. I get guinea pigs and hamsters every week. Well, our feature story this week is called Apologies All Around by Jeff Sosby. Jeff is a graduate of the Viable Paradise Writing Workshop and has been published in Flash Fiction Online and American River Literary Review. He's received an honorable mention in Writers of the Future for both the first and second quarters of 2008. So without further ado, Apologies All Around, by Jeff Sosby. Hey there, it's the Sinclairs, your everyday future family. Hey there, it's the Sinclairs, the craziest of neighbors there could be. Winston is dad, Rachel is the daughter Elizabeth is mom they love one another don't forget Rover hey it's the Sinclairs it's the Sinclairs daddy Rachel shouted there's a robot at the door Winston Sinclair hoped it wasn't one of those sales bots they were dang near impossible to get rid of. He picked up Rachel and raised the viewport she had used. The robot was three feet tall, gray, squat, plain looking. All right, robot, what do you want? (laughs) It had a cheap synthesized voice. Are you Winston Sinclair, born February 18th, 2000? Mm, yeah. You worked at Comatech from 2023 to 2026. Honey, 
Don't buy anything. (laughs) Pardon, Winston Sinclair. I am not here to sell you something. I am not here to buy something. Winston Sinclair, sir, I am here to apologize. Winston sat on the couch with his family while the robot explained. I contain an apology for Winston Sinclair from Carl Gustavson. Carl Gustavson? Why, I haven't heard that name in, golly, probably ten years. Rachel pulled at his shirt sleeve. Daddy, who's Carl? Well, we worked together at Comatech. Then he got a great job at Future Industries. I applied to work there, but they never called back. The robot beeped. Pardon, Winston Sinclair. Will you hear the apology? Uh, okay. An identicard reader lit up on the robot's side. Please confirm your identity. Winston pulled his card from his wallet and waved it over the reader. Identity confirmed, Winston Sinclair. The robot whirred as a small e-screen unfurled into where its head might have been. Playing apology. The man in the video had more gray and less hair, but it was definitely Carl. Hello, Winston. Isn't this the strangest bot? It just just shows up one day and... Well, anyway... Carl licked his lips. Nine years ago, you applied to Future Industries. I didn't want a young hotshot like you competing with me, so... I spread the rumor that you were impossible to work with. I've felt bad ever since, and I'd like to apologize for doing that. I'm really sorry. I hope... I hope you can forgive me. The screen rolled back into the robot. Winston jumped up. Why, that son of a... Winston! Bulls patootie! I really wanted that job. I always wondered what happened. I don't believe it. Winston stalked around the living room. I was miserable at Comatech for another whole year before I left. And then, and then, and then you went to Kaveri Stratton, Elizabeth said. And you met me, and we got married, and we had Rachel, and here we are. I'd say things worked out just fine. The robot chimed in. Winston Sinclair. Do you accept the apology? He had wanted that job so badly back then. But if he had gotten it, then Future Industries would be his life. Not Elizabeth. Not Rachel, who right now was poking a plastic magic wand at the robot from underneath the coffee table. (laughs) Elizabeth was right. Things had worked out just fine. Better, even. She saw the big picture, like she always did. It was one of the reasons that he loved her. Winston Sinclair, do you accept the apology? He sat down on the couch and reached for Elizabeth's hand. Yes. Yes, I do. The robot extended a small metal arm, probably a camera. Please record your acceptance. Winston took a breath. Hi, Carl. This is Winston. I accept your apology. Things worked out. I hope you're well. Hey, call me sometime and we'll catch up. Later. The robot clicked. 
Winston Sinclair, now you must record an apology. Excuse me? You must record an apology. I will deliver it. This is my function. Winston thought. What do I have to apologize for? Uh, okay, I bonked a hover with my car door yesterday. The robot was quiet while an LED on its front blinked, then went solid red. Insufficient value. What? Value of new apology must calculate to within plus or minus 12% of value of accepted apology. Winston rose from the couch. I need to think about this over dinner. While the family ate, the robot stayed in the living room and recharged. Pardon, Winston Sinclair. The robot buzzed. You must record an apology. Oh, gee willikers, robot. Fine. I stole two books from the library when I was twelve. Again, the silence. Insufficient value. Okay, okay, I, I teased Devin Marcus in fifth grade. Insufficient value. Ah. Okay, in university, I cheated on my fourth-year differential algorithms exam. Insufficient value. <laughs> he said it again. A moment from Winston's past emerged in his mind. He slowly turned his chair around. What if I broke someone's heart? Age at heartbreaking? Twenty-two. The LED blinked for what felt like forever. It turned green. Value is sufficient. You may apologize. Sitting on the couch, Winston talked as the robot recorded. Hi, Charisse. This is Winston Sinclair. I want to apologize. That night by the lake, when I told you that I didn't believe in love, I lied. I was scared of being close, and I ran away. I'm sorry I didn't respond to your calls and your mail. I'm hoping you'll forgive me. Mm, that's it. Winston felt good. Lighter, somehow. He imagined this was how Carl had felt. The robot collected itself, unplugged, and moved to the door. Winston stood. Robot! Wait! Yes? I... I thought of another apology. Only one apology is allowed. Now I must leave. Winston opened the door for the robot. Carl Gustafson will receive this acceptance. Charisse Devereaux will receive this apology. Goodbye, Winston Sinclair. While Rachel waved goodbye to the robot, Winston watched it go down the walk, down the driveway, and down the street until it disappeared into the night. He stood on the porch a few minutes more and then went inside. Then he picked up the net tablet and started searching. What are you doing, honey? Elizabeth said from the table. I'm looking for instructions. I think I'm going to build a robot. It's the Sinclairs. That was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's catch up on feedback for a few stories. Several weeks ago, we ran the vampire insurance agent story, Reality Bites, by Jim Bernheimer. Most people seem to get a kick out of this story, and of Christina Colligan's narration. The Doonstief said, Good story. 
I, like others, was expecting the vampire to turn the tables on the insurance agent, a much scarier monster than any vampire, by turning her into an undead and forcing her to see things his way. Chivalry Bean said, I enjoyed the story. Congrats on getting a vampire story to the Drabblecast. It isn't an easy task, but it was very different. Two stakes up. One of the few criticisms came from the longly named Logistic Vantress Shell of Lob. He said, The story was certainly based on an interesting premise, but the twist ruined the story for me. Absolutely nothing goes right for the main character. He's trapped in a bureaucratic nightmare, and then he gets beaten up by a 300-year-old vampire. I've had days like that, and I don't need to hear about someone else having the absolute worst day of his life. I've had enough of my own, thanks. Sheesh. And I thought I had a long week. Then we aired another story that was received with more mixed feelings. The bizarre missionary beluga whale story, Perfect Down Further by Max Kraft. This story generated a ton of discussion, actually about the story, and whether it was too vague or not vague enough. Tasty Cake said, This story mixed a lot of elements that stand out to me. First off, I've got to say that I appreciated the Aquaman references. Oren and Arthur, Arthur's dad being a lighthouse keeper, all explicitly referenced. As a huge DC Comics fan, I always love it when I run into these in unexpected places. I also like the comparison of belief in a beluga whale and a sea kingdom to organized religion. I thought that made some good points without weighing too heavily to one side. For me, the idea of Poseidon's gift really explores feelings of universal salvation. Internal Logic said, I have no idea what the ending signified. I've listened to the last minute several times and I'm still not sure. Is it a man externalizing his religious doubts in the form of a convenient magical object and hallucinating a reason to put himself out of his misery? Or is it really about a beluga whale heralding the need for a new king of the sea that coincidentally occurred at the exact time of this fellow's shipwreck? Rich Mazur said, I was hoping to feel that same ambiguity, as it was my favorite aspect of the story. The end, though, seemed too explicit, at least to me, that the man was entering the Sea Kingdom. Maybe the Sea Kingdom was heaven. Maybe he was crazy the whole time. We all want different answers about stories, just like in life. But sometimes, especially when you're starving in Africa or stranded in a raft, you just gotta have faith and ride the whale. Wise words indeed. Well, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you can't change it or sell it, but you can share it with all you like. Join our discussion forums at Drabblecast.org and let us know what you thought about today's story, or just check out the other weird stuff going on there. Don't forget to vote for the Super Mega Beast of your choice in round two of this year's Super Animal Deathmatch competition. You can subscribe to the podcast and vote from the Mega Beasts portion of our page, or you can go to www.mega-beasts.com. Finally, we rely on your generous donations to keep going, so drop us a one-time donation or subscribe for $5 a month if you want to help us out. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to go out and build a robot this week. Piano player picks up his tip jar and drink, and the bartender shouts last round. An hour ago this place was loaded. Insufficient value.